They always say, history is doomed to repeat itself. But that phrase seems to rid us of the responsibility of our actions. Some tend to live life that way, resigned to whatever happens because, well, that's what they've always known, and they seem to think their life is doomed to be what it is. This was true for the woman in today's episode. Until she had a spark of change. But can a full 180 ever be achieved? Let's dive in and find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a woman who built her life to be a tragic repeat of her parents. The difference was she wanted to change. We can't rewrite our own history, but we'll find out exactly who can author our future on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast because today we're announcing the winner of the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast sweepstakes. But for now, let's get to the episode. It's part two of the true story of Candace Talbot. Last time on Unshackled. How come there's nothing to eat in this refrigerator? I don't know, John. You tell me why there's no food. I'm raising a baby, so it's not like I can support our family. Don't even go there. I'll have lots of money next week. Okay, fine. What about money now for groceries and for the party? What party? Sean's birthday, remember? He's two years old. He doesn't even know what a birthday is. Did you buy him a gift yet? No, that's your job. <laughs> My job? Well, it's hard to buy him a birthday gift if I have no money. I told you I'm picking up a big shipment tomorrow. Biggest one yet. Next week, after I meet my customers, we'll be rolling in the dough and you can buy him whatever he wants. Where are you getting these drugs? Eh, the less you know, the better. It better not be out of state. Because if you get caught bringing drugs across state lines, it's a federal crime. You know that. And those prison sentences are much longer. 20 years longer. What happens to your son and me if you get arrested? Relax. You have nothing to worry about. My suppliers close by. Don't you dare lie to me. If you're lying to me, I swear I- Why did you slap me? Because it was the only way to get you to shut up. The woman in our story had made a lot of bad decisions and desperately wanted a new life. This is the story of how she overcame those setbacks and found the one she'd always longed for in this part two of the true testimony of Candace Talbot, right now on Unshackled. When I learned that my husband had lied to me about his drug dealing, I packed my bags and left with my son. We drove north in my old car, which had no seatbelts and lots of holes in the floorboard. Halfway there, we hit a winter storm, and it was a miracle that we made it to the motel my parents managed in upstate New York. Although I finally felt safe, my self-esteem had never been lower. I still don't understand why you have to move out. You just got here. I know, Dad, 
but it's the only way I'm eligible for food stamps and help with child care. Oh, I just wish your mom and I could do more, but we're barely making ends meet as it is. We'll be fine. I just found a job in town. Oh? What kind of job? What kind of job? It so happened that the only job I could find was working as a barmaid, which meant long nights and pretending I was flattered every time a guy had too much to drink and wanted to ask me over to his place. This was not the life I wanted, especially raising a two-year-old. One day, an old girlfriend from high school called and told me she was going through some health challenges. She asked if I could move to Florida and help her with cooking and housekeeping. I jumped at the chance, and for the first few months, everything was going great. Or so I thought. Candy, we need to talk. Sure, let me finish the laundry and I'll... Don't bother. Just stop where you are and come into the living room. I need to tell you something. Hey, if this is about Sean leaving <laughs> his oh, toys Oh, he's not out... the problem. So what is the problem? You are. What? My husband and I talked and we both agree. I believe it's best you take your son and move out. But why? Seriously? You have no clue about what you've done. No, I don't. What did I do? You tried to seduce my husband. What? I did no such thing. He told me the way you've been smiling at him and how you teased him. I never did anything like that. You are such a bad liar. You have 30 minutes to pack your things. I'll drop you off somewhere, and then I never want to see your face again. An hour later, she pulled up in front of a mall and told me and Sean to get out. No, sorry it didn't work out, or here's some food money. Nothing. Suddenly, I was homeless in Florida with no car and not much money. The sad part? I knew I had never done or said anything to my friend's husband that betrayed her trust. I could only guess it was her own insecurities that led her to do what she did. Sean was oblivious to the anxiety boiling inside me and was content to smile at everyone who walked by. I bought him a yogurt and sat him on a countertop while I studied his beautiful face. I couldn't remember the last time I had prayed, but it seemed like God was the only hope I had left. So I started whispering a prayer while my son ate his yogurt. Hey, God, it's me. Well, it looks like I've gotten myself into another jam. So what's next? I suppose I could see if my old boyfriend in Denver wants me back, if he even remembers me. I have no idea how I'm going to even get there. Times like this, I wish I had never been born. So, God, wherever you are, what should I do? The only thing that's keeping me alive right now is my son. Have you ever had one of those moments talking to God where it feels like you get this impression from him? I just said, the only thing keeping me alive is my son. And what I felt him say to me was the last thing I ever wanted to hear. No way, God. Uh-uh. There is no way I am giving up custody of my son to his dad. That jerk moved out of state just to avoid paying me child support. How do I know he's not still using drugs or alcohol? How do I know I can trust him? There is absolutely no way I am going to give up my child. No way! That will never, ever happen.
The more I told God what I was not going to do, the more I knew that giving up custody was the right thing. It was the only chance my son could have at a stable home. I needed to trust that God loved my boy even more than I did and that he would watch over him. I called my ex-in-laws and told them what I wanted to do. They were shocked to hear my voice, but willing to help raise their grandson. They paid for my plane ticket to Denver with a stopover in Alabama, where I said a tearful goodbye to my precious three-year-old boy. Final boarding for flight 318 to Denver. Final boarding. Hey, Sean. Mommy's got to go now. You be a good boy and help your daddy. Don't go, Bobby. Please, stay. I can't, baby. You be strong now. Don't cry. Please don't cry. We'll see each other again one day. I promise. You go over to your dad now. Always remember. Always remember how much mommy loves you. Saying goodbye to him was one of the toughest things I've ever done. I gave him a hug, waved goodbye, and cried all the way to Denver. When I arrived, I called my old boyfriend to surprise him, and he told me he had absolutely no desire to see me. Next, I tried enlisting in the military. Even they rejected me because of a time years before when I tried to get help for a prescription drug addiction. I finally landed a job as an au pair for a little boy who was the same age and complexion as my son. It was a great time of healing for me and creating distance from my old lifestyle. It was a wonderful job until the father of the child tried to visit me at 2 a.m. in my bedroom because he wanted to talk. I quit that job faster than he could lie to his wife. Little did I know that my next job would change my life in more ways than I could ever imagine. So, how do you like working here? Well, working in a dental lab may not be the most glamorous job I've ever had. Huh, but it pays the bills right. Yeah, that part I like. Any plans for the weekend? Nah, just laundry and carry out. You dating anyone? Mm. Let me put it this way. I've not had the best experience with relationships. Yeah, me too. Hey, anybody around here that caught your eye yet? Not really. What about David? He's sitting over there at the other table. You mean the guy with the long hair and really in shape? Who looks like he belongs on the cover of a romance novel? That's the one. Nope, never noticed him. <laughs> well, maybe once when he was playing ball with the guys out back. The guy has a limp, but he never lets it stop him. He's a polio survivor, although you never know it. You want me to introduce you? Like I told you, I'm not really good with relationships. Sure you are. You just haven't met the right guy yet. Hey, David! Stop! I don't want to meet him. Sure you do. You just don't believe in yourself. Hey, David, come join us. Okay. Hello. David Talbot, I'd like you to meet my new friend Candace. Here, take my seat. I'm going to go play matchmaker with someone else. Have fun, you two. <laughs> I am so embarrassed. I did not ask her to do that. <laughs> I know you didn't. Well, that's a relief. I promise you I did not ask her. I know. I asked her to introduce us. You did? Yep. 
But you don't know who I am, or what type of person I am, or even if... It doesn't matter. Seriously? You probably never even noticed me before. I noticed you the first day you started working here. You did? Yeah. And you know what thought crossed my mind? I have no idea. I thought, this is the woman I'm gonna marry. I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. We started dating, and our relationship was different from anything I had ever had before. We eventually got married, and God used David Talbot to heal my shame and self-loathing in ways I could never in my wildest dreams ever have imagined. But we were still lacking the one relationship that mattered the most. David, turn off the alarm. David? Oh, never mind. Hey, sleepyhead. I didn't hear you get up. <sighs> I had the craziest dream. My sister and I were visiting this huge cathedral. She was marveling at how big it was. But all I could see was how empty it was. There wasn't anyone worshipping inside. Just a group of tourists touring an empty monument to the builders. Crazy dream, huh? Most of your dreams are. <laughs> so where are you off to this morning? I'm going to pick up the ham we want in the community raffle. I forgot! That's right. Next Sunday is Easter. Let me get ready and I'll go with you. I thought we were picking up a ham. We are. We just pulled up in front of a church. Yeah, that's where the man told me to meet him. We don't have to stay for the service. I want to. What? Especially after that dream I had. I want to see what kind of people are inside. Folks, we'll get back to Candy's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Dot org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Candy's story. Thank you. You may be seated. Amazing Grace is one of the most recognized songs in the world, but few people know that John Newton, the man who wrote those lyrics, made a living transporting and selling human beings for the slave trade. What he didn't realize 
was that he was a slave himself, a slave to sin. In the poem he wrote, he described himself as a wretch who had committed horrible atrocities. Sounds like he's describing me. Yeah, me too. He was desperate for God's mercy, grace, and forgiveness. How about you? What do you need? Some people believe God could never forgive them for the horrible things they've done, or for all the people they've hurt. But here's the good news. When Jesus went to the cross for your sins and mine and shed his blood, his sacrifice paid the penalty for all our sins. What we have to do is confess our sins, receive his sacrifice, and place our trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. Are you ready to repent and receive his gift of forgiveness today? If you are, let me know by raising your hands. I slowly put my hand up and looked over at David. He was raising his hand too. The pastor invited us to come up front and he prayed over us. We both felt an incredible change come over us. It was as if the weight of all the mistakes we had ever done fell from our shoulders. That same day we joined a Bible study and in the following weeks, we learned what it meant to follow Christ. Two years later, we volunteered for a mission trip to Mexico, where we served as dental professionals. More doors opened, and we served next in a rural clinic in Kentucky. Mom and Dad moved nearby, and it was there that Mom surrendered her life to the Lord. As happy as I was for her, I still worried if Dad would ever make that choice. Candy, you sure you don't want any dessert? I'm gaining weight just looking at that peach pie you ordered. Hey. I'm glad you called me. I thought I better before you and David head overseas. Where to this time? Israel. We'll be dental volunteers in the Negev Desert near the Egyptian border. While we're pulling teeth, we'll tell people about Jesus. Captive audience, huh? <laughs> Something like that. How's Mom? Uh, she seems more at peace now that she became a Christian, like you did. Goes to church whenever the doors are open. How about you, Dad? Do you have any interest in knowing Jesus? Well, till recently, uh, I believed I wasn't good enough for him. But you know that's a lie. Now hear and... me out, Candy. I know. I did terrible things to you when you were a child. Beat you far more times than, than I want to remember. Struggled with alcohol and depression and thoughts of suicide most of my life. Even tried a few times. I wondered... Why would God ever want a relationship with someone like me? But then, something clicked last week, and I realized something. What? Well, you told me more than once that you still love me. After all I'd done to you, you still love me. If you could forgive me for all I'd done to you, well, maybe it's time I forgave myself and ask God to forgive me, too. Dad, I'm so proud of you. I met with your mom's pastor, and he asked me to write out my testimony, and here. I wrote a copy for you, too. He's going to baptize me next Sunday. Oh, Dad. Praise God.
I couldn't hold back the tears as I read what he wrote. My dad was truly a new man. God had redeemed our family and given us a love that I could never imagine. In the years that followed, he still had occasional bouts of depression, but that didn't mean he wasn't a Christian. Just like his having Parkinson's disease didn't mean he wasn't a Christian. His spirit was saved, but it was still wrapped in a broken body that struggled. We spent the next 18 months in Israel and saw God do amazing things. When we came back to the States, we settled in Denver so we could help David's mother during her cancer treatments. Over the next 10 years, we fostered 10 children, which was an awesome experience. I never knew God had created me to love so many people. When my aunt invited me to join her on a mission trip to Uganda, Africa, I met even more people who needed God's love. Candace, come outside. You gotta see this. Okay, coming. What do you want to show me? What do you see? I see lots of people coming into the village for the church service. Look at that woman over there, walking down the path. Do you see her? The woman? Yeah, she's walking with a crutch. Look again. What is she using for support? She's using a... No, that can't be right. She's using a tree branch. <laughs> the pastor told me she walks over two miles that way. That's all she has to support her. Why doesn't someone give her a medical crutch to use? There aren't any in the village, and even if there were, they would be too expensive for the people to buy. That's crazy. There are thousands of crutches back home. People use them, then stuff them in a closet when they're done with them. Or they, or just... they just throw them away. What a waste. There's got to be a way to get them here. What if God wants us to be that way? And that was how our ministry, Crutches for Africa, began. When we arrived back home, I stayed up until 2 a.m. writing a business plan, and the very next day started collecting leftover medical crutches for those who had none. We filled one shipping container, then another. God used us, even with all the baggage from our past, to help others. Helping others is one of the best parts of being a Christ follower. But I didn't realize how much help my husband was about to need. I see you, Code Blue. I see you, Code Blue. Give me another 200 jewels. Stand clear. Come on, David. Don't give up on us. Once more, clear! <sighs> He's back. How many does that make? Seven. Seven heart attacks in ten days? How long did his heart stop this time? Nearly 40 minutes. This guy should be dead. Kidneys have shut down, there's no liver function. What is keeping you alive, David Talbot? Have you met his wife? What's she have to do with it? <laughs> Maybe everything. She's people all over the world praying for her husband. Mrs. Talbot? Yes, is David okay? We were able to bring him back, but I don't have much hope to give you. All these heart attacks are taking a toll on his body. His organs are starting to shut down, and you need to prepare yourself. Prepare myself for what? It's only a matter of time. You need to prepare yourself that he won't make it. Why do doctors always say that? I know this is hard. I just want you to prepare for, you know... What if I prepared myself to believe he will make it? What if God allowed all this to happen to test our faith in him? 
If he dies, he's with Jesus. But if he lives... If he lives, his quality of life will be so diminished that... Doctor, you did your best, and thank you. Now let God do the rest. People around the city were praying for David. I contacted many Africans who I knew were great prayer warriors. Together, we trusted God for a miracle. And four days later, he gave us a big one. David regained consciousness and was able to get off the ventilator and heart machine. His transformation after a life-ending event was so incredible that doctors from around the city stopped by his hospital room to see this miracle man for themselves. Come in. So how's my patient? A bit overwhelmed by all the visitors. He's actually enjoying all the attention. It's given both of us a chance to share our faith with lots of people. It's not every day a patient comes back from the dead. <laughs> so they tell me. I can't thank you enough for everything you and the staff did for me. Well, that's what we trained for. <clears throat> Ahem. Oh, <laughs> let me put it another way. We did our best, but it was God who clearly did the rest. <laughs> that sounds like something my wife would say. Six months later, David was on a plane heading back to Africa and sharing his faith with people in places we didn't even know existed. I've lost count of how many trips we've made. When the pandemic shut everything down, we were on the last plane out of Uganda, but we still managed to ship thousands of devices worldwide. As soon as restrictions lifted, we resumed deliveries of mobility devices. Since Crutches for Africa began, we've shipped over 180,000 mobility devices to people around the world, free of charge. An update on my son, Sean? He grew up with John and Rachel, married a lovely lady, adopted her three-year-old, and had a son. He and I are friends now, and he trusted me to take his teenage girl to Africa for a distribution trip in 2011. Won't you pray for his salvation with me, please? For David and me, God is foremost in our lives, and Jesus is our strength and our fortress no matter what trials we face. And we have plenty as David slowly loses mobility due to post-polio syndrome. But our thanksgiving is daily and our gratitude is hourly. We are amazed at what God did with two repentant sinners who found abundant life in him Imagine, just imagine what he could do with your life if you only let him. Listening friend, like Candace, you may have made mistakes and find it hard to believe that God has purpose for your life. No matter what wrongs you have done, God wants a relationship with you and that's why he sent his one and only son into our world. It's his gift to you. God is ready to hear your prayer and adopt you into his family. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 promise that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
Friend, what you need to do is ask God to forgive your sins and believe that Jesus took the punishment you deserved when he died on the cross. The next step is to find a Bible-believing church where you can be discipled and grow in your understanding of our living Lord and Savior. If you need help in making this crucial decision, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, it's the moment you've been waiting for. It's time to announce the winner of the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast Sweepstakes. To remind everyone of the prize, it is a beautiful scripture plaque with Lamentations 325 written on the natural wood grain. And our winner is, drumroll please, Tabitha and Ollie Pacheco. Congrats to our big winners. We hope you enjoy this daily reminder of God's sweet and perfect word. We'll start a new drawing for a new plaque next week to give everyone another chance to win one of these great gifts. And next time... Is that my car? No. What in the world? I've never been so frightened in my life. All right, all right, folks. Quiet down and uh, have a little order here. No use acting like a bunch of hysterical women. Mister, why don't you sit down and relax? You sound like a bigot. Well, someone has to take command in a situation like this. And you figure it might as well be you? Trapped in a canyon following an earthquake, highly vocal leaders pit themselves against one another, failing to serve the group. Oh, you can't be serious. He has as much rights to his opinion as you. I suppose your establishment thinks you've already elected God to your board of directors and have him in your corner. What makes you so sure God is a he? Folks! This is becoming the most ridiculous discussion I've heard in a long time. What would it take for them to learn their views lack perspective? Find out in this exciting Independence Day classic, The Tembler, on the next Unshackled. Heard in part two of the true story of Candace Talbot were Mara Kate Burns, Tom Geich, Anna Maria Alvarez, Ryan Kitley, Demetrius Troy, Angela Morris, and Holly Krajewski. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Scott Kirk. That's it for